Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's talk about our prime minister, shall we? Because Canada's back. Back to the very back of the world stage. (laughs) And while he's out, you know, doing things like the taste of the Danforth, the rest of the country, we're just trying to figure out what, what, why are we being kicked around by everybody these days? And while uh, this spat between Saudi Arabia is still unknown, I mean, we don't really actually know why. I mean, we're told that we offended the the Saudi kingdom because of a tweet. However, there is a bigger story at play here. And we are very much alone in this particular story. So it could be a whole culmination of things, a power play. Because it it appears that we have become very conveniently a punching bag for the new crown prince who is trying to solidify his place with the royal family. Position himself, um, you know, with the hardliners of the kingdom. They don't like his progressive ways. And the the international community. And he's also working with the United States, who seem to be backing his decisions. And by the way, they are not standing united with Justin Trudeau. That's not by accident. Let's bring Lee Humphrey into this conversation, president of James International Security Consulting. He is a security expert who joins me now as to, you know, what is at play here? Lee, what is at the root of this in your mind? It has to be something more than a tweet. Certainly the uh, crown prince cannot be that thin-skinned, or can he? No, I don't believe he is. I, I think uh, one of the things we're missing here, Alex, is is that uh, in Saudi, the issue, you know, it goes back uh, before Christmas when, when uh, the prince ordered the arrest of well over, well, several hundred uh, members of the royal family and senior executives in, in Saudi companies that are connected to the royal family, along with their families, and they moved them into the Ritz-Carlton and the Marriott near what's called the Green Zone, or sorry, the Red Zone, which is it was just their diplomatic quarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those folks, really what was happening in the background was he was solidifying his power as his father had just recently named him Crown Prince. Mm-hmm. And he was seen as far too moderate, far too progressive, and there was a bit of a palace coup building, so he, you know, preemptively took the first shot. He won the day, but it didn't end there. And what you saw was a large number of uh, very fundamentalist imams and other members of the royal family who are, are peeved at what happened coming together and with each step along the path towards giving women more rights, you saw the the internal politics of the royal family bubbling to the surface to the point where what I believe happened was the crown prince was becoming more and more sensitive. And these things, these tweets, these diplomatic uh, slapdowns by the West were being used by these fundamentalists to say this is why the crown prince shouldn't rule and god forbid his father the king die look what he'll do to our kingdom if he's fully in charge right okay so what is the play then i mean we're now into one week of getting the cold shoulder from saudi arabia and more than the cold shoulder really i mean it's going to cost us billions and billions of dollars uh and we're not getting a whole lot of help from our allies in fact we are standing out here on our own does that surprise you? 
Not at all. You know, um, President Trump, when he visited, he set a new tone uh, within the Middle East. Over the final four years of the Obama administration, they wanted the Iranian nuclear deal, the JCPOA, so desperately that they isolated the Saudis and the other Arabs of the GCC in order to get that deal. Mm -hmm. Trump went the other way. He reestablished relationships with the, G, uh, with the uh, GCC mm -hmm. countries. He uh, specifically met with the crown prince. Um, and that sent a signal to Saudi Arabia that they were back in the good graces of the West. And, and you didn't see our allies stand up primarily because they understood that the crown prince is moving at light speed when you, when you view it in, in the eyes of Saudis. And that any interruption of that, any ability for the other side to use that as a stick to beat the crown prince to slow down would only hurt the broader cause. So many of our allies have been working behind the scenes to A, help the crown prince solidify his hold on power so that he can move even more quickly once he becomes the king. And I think what really happened was the crown prince and the Saudi government saw this as an opportunity to remind any other countries out there that public condemnation of Saudi Arabia during this very difficult period for the royal family and for Saudi Arabia as they transition, you know, slowly in our terms, but quickly in their terms, towards more equal rights and, and more rights for women will not be accepted. And they, they made an example of Canada, and, and Canada made it very easy. I mean, if, if we've learned nothing from some of the failures of the Trump administration, it's diplomacy or politics by tweet yeah. doesn't always work well. And in this case, we, Trudeau, uh, or the folks at Foreign Affairs, whoever actually initiated those tweets, really set us up for failure by not understanding the internal dynamic that's going on in the kingdom right now. And so what happens, like, what does Canada do? Just shut its mouth and, and eat this? Because, you know, it, it, we don't need Saudi oil. No question we don't need it. I mean, it will hurt the East, but we have our own oil. If we wanted to make a, a message, a stance, take a stance, Mr. Trudeau could easily say, you know what, keep your oil, we have our own. However, they have so much money. They have gobs of money everywhere. Um, and they can do a lot of damage to our economy. They can, and, and I think, uh, you know, people didn't see, you know, the impact that uh, pulling Saudi students from Canadian universities is going to have on their bottom line because they're charged yeah. two to three times what the average Canadian is charged, and that allows Canadian students to attend university at the lower prices, if you will. Right. So, you know, there's small impacts like that. As for the oil, uh, it's roughly, I believe, eighty-six to 87,000 barrels per day. Mm -hmm. We could replace it over a period of time with the infrastructure in place, but we're talking two to three to four years before that's in place. So, you know, my recommendation, if, if anybody was listening, was for Canada to stop, you know, the diplomacy in public, to lower the rhetoric in public, to stop the hard and fast condemnation in public and to work quietly in the background, allow this to play out, as we saw with the United Arab Emirates, where they cut Canadians off of, of being allowed in on uh, visas at, at the border uh, over flight uh, issues uh, several years ago. It took about 18 months to quietly just resolve that because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the Arab culture is not one that forgives quickly, uh, and they want this done quietly.
Yeah, I mean, foreign relations has been a real nightmare for this government. They've uh, pretty much uh, irritated everybody in the world. I mean, you, <laughs> Japan. I mean, if you if you irritate Australia, you got a real problem. But you know, India. We seem to be making enemies of ourselves around the world who are looking at us as a nuisance. And so, um, you know, when it comes to foreign policy, do you trust that this government won't use this for political opportunity? Because if it's seen that you know Trudeau is pushing against the Saudi Arabian government, which I think will play well. Um, you know, in the news headlines, uh, you know, I don't know if everyone understands the magnitude of what's going on, but if it plays well politically, they may keep going on this. Well, the prime minister, you know, we 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 often doubt his judgment, but I don't doubt his intelligence and his ability to recognize a political winner. And when he made the terrible error of uh, calling out President Trump during the press conference after the G7, and he saw Canadians and all the political parties sort of forced to rally around his his stance towards NAFTA and and the way uh, President Trump responded, I'm sure he took that as a lesson. And they might have seen this in the exact same way that, hey, suddenly... You know, we've had this problem uh, recently, we've had another scandal, we've had another misstep, and now we have a great thing that Canadians will rally around and we won't suffer for it, and they'll be distracted by it. I don't think it plays out completely the way it did last time here, because I think smarter people are starting to put two and two together, and they're starting to say things like, gee, weren't you the government that cancelled Energy East that would have made the less the Saudis less impactful on us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as you said, their foreign policy is a disaster from the Philippines to Japan to Australia to India. It's endless. Is this the worst mistake? Um, Or is India, which is worst? (laughs) The relationship with the United States, I think, is the most impactful. The fact that we've been cut out of most of the NAFTA meetings Mm -hmm. over the last uh, couple of months is could have terrible impacts. The the potential impact on, on the auto sector in Ontario would devastate our economy. I think those are, are horrific uh, uh, mistakes. Uh, as far as overseas, I think, uh, you know, making mistakes in a place like India where there's tremendous, tremendous growth yeah. opportunity for Canada, and we have deep ties with India that have gone back decades uh, through immigration and through business trips going back to the Kretchen years, where we've continued to develop these relationships to build on that business in that amazingly large country, uh, so w- with great opportunity. So I think India was probably uh, one of his, his biggest mistakes, and it'll also be a you know the face of it uh, in the next election for him as well. But you know Saudi Arabia is a regional ally. They are a hedge against Iran. Iran is involved in every conflict in the Middle East. They're funding Hamas, who are raining rockets down on uh, on uh, Israel. They are providing the rockets and the training and the resources for the Houthi rebels to launch missiles into Saudi Arabia, two of which uh, were launched just this week. So, you know, while we can condemn Saudi Arabia quietly for some of their practices and salute some of their efforts to change their human rights. Um, We really, at the same time, need to keep them as an ally in the region if we recognize one of the biggest problems right now is Iranian adventurism around the region. Yeah, sure. And and 
just to add to that, I've got to wrap it up, but, you know, the stance that Mr. Trudeau has had with Iran certainly is not going to make things better with Saudi Arabia anytime soon. So, No, he, yeah. he put uh, the interests of Bombardier and his brother uh, ahead of the interests of Canada and the Canadians that have been tortured and killed in that country by that government. And that is the... Uh, that is a sad testimony for his uh, for his legacy. Indeed it is. Lee, thank you. Thank you very much, Alex. Great talking to you again. And that is Lee Humphrey joining us over at uh, James International Security. And interestingly, and, and we really haven't talked about it, but you got to wonder what this does to the people at the center of this, the Badawis, the brother and sister who are in custody now. Does this mean that they're going to be kept in jail longer? I mean, I, I don't want to go to jail. But if I'm going to jail, it it won't be one in Saudi Arabia. That would be like Turkish prison. No, thank. I would go to a Canadian prison before I go to either of those. But you got to wonder what would be going on. Are they going to be, you know, is he going to get his lashings now? How will they be treated? You have to wonder if what has happened with this little diplomatic tiff is going to end up hurting the very people that we are supposed to be standing up for. You know, you got to give that food for thought. You got all these liberal MPs, uh, you know, now chattering online that, we will always stand up for human rights. Always, all the time. And uh, one in particular coming out tonight with uh, Selena, MP Selena. She's uh, always tweeting out, there isn't a right or wrong time to stand up for human rights. There isn't a right or wrong way to stand up for human rights. You just stand up for human rights every time. Okay, stand up for uh, human rights in Iran. Go. No? No. Oh, okay. That's the hypocrisy of the human rights fight with this government. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point here on Global News Radio.